Subscribe with iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. And if you enjoy what you hear, like us on Facebook. Also, consider throwing a little cash our way by visiting patreon.com slash koreafm. And find more of our great content on our home on the web, koreafm.net. American English teachers from around Korea gathered at the Seoul Global Cultural Center in Myeongdong to share their thoughts and cultural talents at the Black Culture and History Festival. That morning, I began by speaking with one of the co-chairs of the festival to learn more about its history and goals. My name is Zareen Tazneem. I am one of the co-chairs of the Black Culture and History Festival. I am a Fulbright ETA. This is my second year here in Korea. Basically, we are connected to the State Department, the U.S. State Department, and they, um, you know, they choose Fulbrighters to be sent to Korea, and we're basically seen as junior diplomats. So, you know, while we are here, we're not only teaching English, but we're building this foundation of cultural exchange. So it's up to us to bring American culture and have Korean people understand American culture. And part of the benefits of being a Fulbrighter is that we have... Um, access to the embassy, to the resources the embassy holds. And the embassy, you know, gives grants to Fulbrighters to do some sort of community project every year. So, you know, Fulbrighters do a variety of community projects, and this is just one of the projects that we were funded for. So basically, the Black History and Cultural Festival began with one of the founders, Jet, who was a Fulbrighter about two years ago. And um, he was basically just frustrated with how most Koreans perceived people of color and the discrimination they faced. So he was very adamant on spreading the awareness of black people, and not just black people, but people of color in Korea and the contributions they've made to you know the world. And so he started this festival as a way to create mutual exchange, cultural exchange amongst Korean people and Americans and other cultures um, here in Korea. So this is the third year we're making this happen. For the past two years, we've had it in Daegu, and this is the first time we're having it in Seoul. And so we wanted an education portion to basically talk about the struggles of black people and people of color here in Korea, and then we wanted to have an entertainment portion to tie into that so people can connect what they discussed in the morning to the entertainment portion itself. Discussion began at 11 a.m. with the playing of a recent Chinese commercial that has gone viral on the Internet. My name is Aria Washington. I'm a second-year Fulbright English teacher. I'm living here in Seoul and teaching here in Seoul now. So the first commercial is something that recently went viral just as we were putting this program together. Um, It's a Chinese commercial for laundry detergent that kind of starts off with an African-American male who's kind of dirty and covered in paint. He's just been working and he starts to flirt with this, um, we assume, Chinese woman who has been doing laundry. And she calls him over and acts like she's going to kiss him and then she shoves some of the detergent in his mouth and shoves him into the laundry. Um, There's some shaking around. And he comes out as a rather light-skinned Chinese man and she's happy about it. Um, so that is a commercial that uh, I think aired for about a month in China, and a lot of people, Chinese people and people around the world, were pretty upset about it. The Chinese-made video was then followed by the original commercial that inspired it. That commercial was actually from Italy, and it came first, although some people have said that maybe that one never actually aired. Um, But it's for, like, a color-protecting detergent, so it's very similar, same music and everything. A kind of thin... We assume Italian white white man comes and is um, maybe flirting with a woman. She calls him over 
and also shoves him in the laundry with this color protecting detergent and he comes out as a very muscular black man. Um, and in that one, the music changes to, to hip hop music. So on the surface of opposite message, but both have problems, issues of um, focusing too much on someone's appearance and saying that we are, we are just how we appear. The discussion portion of the Black Culture and History Festival then gave time for festival participants and attendees to share stories of how they've been treated while living in South Korea. I was born in America, but my family's from Ethiopia. I try to teach my students about that. I try to show them pictures of it. And I guess there's this feeling like I need to show like the best parts of Africa to just show them like there is like there are good things. Like I've told my students just like they wouldn't eat their lunch. And like there are kids out there who don't have enough food. And they're like, I know. Africa. They know Africa as being poor. And actually, a lot of Koreans know about Ethiopia like, with coffee. And they know like that one thing, but they have black and African influences in their music within their lives. And it's like, I guess, not giving enough respect to like, how culture has influenced their culture as well. Here in Korea, like, image is so important. And basically, being that representation and be- maybe even being the first black person that somebody at least in my school or my community meets and having that positive impact that first positive impact is really important so that's why I feel like I I have to over overcompensate a lot because you know I may be the only black person like a 10 square mile radius and the discussion portion of the event ended with a final message from Whitney Bay a foreign YouTube blogger who says living in Korea has changed her perceptions of what Koreans think about other ethnicities and cultures I make videos in Korean, and about 85% of my audience is Korean, so I feel like I have uh, a voice within the community. So I really want to know what other people think and how I can be a good representation of my skin and, you know, being yourself. I started YouTube like three years ago, and of course I started because I wanted to just be creative. It was a creative outlet. I had all these, like, goofy ideas and stuff. But then the more I started to do it, I realized I really do have a voice. And so I started to sneakily talk about some social issues, some things I saw in Korea that kind of made me feel uncomfortable or I didn't understand. And when I first started doing it, I kind of thought I knew everything about Korean culture. Like I felt, I call myself an expert in Korean culture because I had been studying about it for like 10 years. And I would see people talk online, like other black people, people of color talk online about things they didn't like in Korea, like oh, why are they so racist and all this cultural appropriation? And they would just, like, get really angry and upset about it, and they would talk about it in a very harsh way. But I felt like, oh, that's too harsh, you know? Like, if you really want to make a difference in Korea, what I found out is that you really have to have a connection with the person. And so I would, like, start making these videos, and when I read the comments, it really humbled me because I assumed, like, oh, Korean people, they all think like this. They stereotype me in this way, that, 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 whatever. And then I'd read the comments and people would be like, no, I feel the same way. And I was like, really? Or they would just tell me, oh, actually, I don't feel that way. That's not what I thought. Maybe that person thought that way, but I didn't think that way. And so it really just humbled me, like, not everybody feels this way. And I really learned to stop assuming, because it's so easy, like, when somebody does something to you, like, man, because I'm black, they think that way. Or because I'm a foreigner, they think that way. But in Korean culture, other Korean people sometimes feel the same way. So I think the most thing important thing I learned from YouTube is just not to assume and to ask more questions. That's just what I wanted to share about something I learned and maybe it can relate to you in some way as well. Thank you, Whitney. And can we give Whitney a round of applause? 
I'm Chance Dorland for KoreaFM.net. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Assist, offering voiceovers, audio editing and mastering, transcriptions and show notes, episode summaries, and even hosting a podcast on a topic important to you. Visit Facebook.com slash Podcast Assist for more info on their flat $30 per hour rate. Talk radio, music, and podcasts from the Korean Peninsula. KoreaFM.net.